Hey everyone. This is the ninth episode of The Sea of Monsters, chapter number nine. I have the worst family reunion ever. So yeah, we know Percy, Annabeth, Tyson, they're on aboard Princess Andromeda, and they've heard Luke's voice on the ship. And previously, all three of them agreed to escape out of the ship and go back to camp or find another way to reach the destination. But when they heard Luke's voice, they just decided to, why, why, why the hell should we do that? There he is, our guy, the guy we wanted to drag back into Olympus. He is. They won't miss a chance. So, let's see what happens. It's a crisis. Annabeth volunteered to go alone since she had the cap of invisibility. But I convinced her it was too dangerous. Either we all went together or nobody went. Nobody? Tyson voted. Please? But in the end, he came along nervously chewing on his huge fingernails. We stopped her a cave long enough to gather our stuff. We figured whatever happened, we would not be staying another night aboard the zombie cruise ship, even if they did have million dollar bingo. I made sure Riptide was in my pocket and the vitamins and flasks from Hermes were at the top of my back. I didn't want Tyson to carry everything, but he insisted, and Annabeth told me not to worry about it. Tyson could carry three full duffel bags over his shoulder as easily as I could carry one backpack. We sneaked through the corridors following the ships. You are here signs towards the Admiralty suit. Annabeth scouted ahead invisibly. We hid whenever someone passed by, but most of the people we saw were just glassy-eyed zombie passengers. As we came up the stairs to deck 13, where the Admiralty suit was supposed to be, Annabeth hissed, Hide! and shoved us into a supply closet. I heard a couple of guys comment on the hall. You see that Ethiopian dragon in the cargo hold? One of them said. The other laughed. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome! Annabeth was still invisible, but she squeezed my arm hard. I got a feeling I should know the second guy's voice. I hear they got two more coming, the familiar voice said. They keep arriving at this rate. Oh man, no contest. The voice faded down the corridor. That was Chris Rodriguez. Annabeth took off her cap and turned invisible. You remember? From Cabin 11? I sort of recalled Chris from that summer before. He was one of those undetermined guys who got stuck in Hermes' cave and because Olympian dad or mom never claimed him. Now that I thought about it, I realized I hadn't seen Chris at camp this summer. What's another half-blood doing here? Annabeth shook her head, clearly troubled. We kept going down the corridor. I didn't need maps anymore to know I was getting close to Luke. I sensed something cold and unpleasant, the presence of evil. Percy? Annabeth stopped suddenly. Look! She stood in front of a glass wall looking down into the multi-story canyon that ran through the middle of the ship. At the bottom was a promenade, a mall full of shops, but that's not what had caught Annabeth's attention. A group of monsters had assembled in front of the candy store. A dozen Lestragonians, giants like the ones who attacked me with dodgeballs, two hellhounds, a few even stranger creatures, humanoid females with twin serpent tails instead of legs. Scythian Dracina, Albert whispered, dragon women. 
Monsters made a semicircle around a young guy in Greek armor who was hacking on a straw dummy. Alarm from the metroid and I realized the dummy was wearing an orange camp hopla t-shirt. As we watched, the guy in armor stabbed the dummy through his belly and ripped upwards. Straw flew everywhere. The monsters cheered and howled. Annabeth stepped away from the window. Her face was ashen. Come on, I told her, trying to sound braver than I felt. The sooner we find Luke, the better. At the end of the hallway were double oak doors that looked like they must have led somewhere important. When we were ten meters away, Tyson stopped. Voices inside. You can hear that far? I asked. Tyson closed his eyes like he was concentrating hard. Then his voice changed, becoming a husky approximation of Luke's. The prophecy ourselves. The fools won't know which way to turn. Before I could react, Tyson's voice changed again, becoming deeper and gruffier like the other guy we'd heard talking to Luke outside the cafeteria. You, th- you really think the old horseman's gone for good? Tyson laughed Luke's laugh. We- they can't trust him, not with the skeletons in his closet. The poisoning of the tree was the final straw. Albert shivered. Stop that, Tyson! How'd you do that? That's creepy. Tyson opened his eye and looked puzzled. She's just listening. Keep going. I said, what else are they saying? Tyson closed his eyes again. Eye again. Uh, he hissed in the gruff man's voice. Quiet. Then Luke's voice whispering. Are you sure? Yes, Tyson said in a gruff voice. Right outside. Too late, I realized what was happening. I just had the time to say run when the doors of the state's room burst open and there was Luke, flanked by two hairy giants armed with javelins, their bronze tips aimed right at our chest. Well, Luke said with a crooked smile, if it isn't my two favorite cousins. Come right in. The state room was beautiful and it was horrible. The beautiful part? Huge windows curved along the back wall, looking out over the stern of the ship. Green sea and blue sky stretched all the way to the horizon. A Persian rug covered the floor. Two plus sofas occupied the middle of the room, with a canopied bed in one corner and a mahogany dining table in the other. The table was loaded with food, pizza boxes, bottles of soda, a stack of roast beef sandwiches and a silver platter. The horrible part? On a velvet dais at the back of the room lay a three-meter-long go- golden casket. Um, not like the Merchant of Venice. It was a sarcophagus engraved with ancient Greek scenes of cities in flames and heroes dying grisly deaths. Despite the sunlight streaming through the windows, the casket made the whole room feel cold. Well, Luke said, spreading his arm proudly. A little nicer than Cabin 11, huh? He changed since last summer. Instead of Bermuda shorts and a t-shirt, he wore a button-down shirt, khaki trousers, and leather loafers. His sandy hair, which used to be so unruly, was now clipped short. He looked like an evil male model, showing off what the fashionable college's villain was wearing to Harvard this year. He still had a scar under his eye. A jagged white line from the battle with the dragon. 
and propped against the sofa with his magical sword backbiter glinting strangely with its half steel half celestial bronze blade that could kill both mortals and monsters so remember right celestial bronze can't kill monster but steel can so backbiter was half steel and half celestial bronze so it could obviously kill immortal people as well as mortal people Set, he told us. He waved his hand and three dining chairs scooted themselves in the center of the room. None of us sat. Luke's large friends were still pointing their javelins at us. They looked like twins, but they weren't human. They stood about two and a half meters tall for one thing and wore only blue jeans, probably because their enormous chests were already shack carpeted with thick brown fur. They had claws for fingernails, feet like paws, their noses were stout-like, and their teeth were all pointed canines. Where are my manners? Luke said smoothly. These are my assistants, Agrius and Aureus. Perhaps you've heard of them? I said nothing. Despite the javelins pointed at me, it wasn't the bed when so scared me. I'd imagined meeting Luke again many times since he tried to kill me last summer. I'd pictured myself boldly standing up to him, challenging him to a duel. But now that we were face to face, I could barely stop my hands from shaking. You don't know Agrius and Aurora's story? Luke asked. Their mother? Well, it's sad, really. Aphrodite ordered the young woman to fall in love. She refused and ran to Artemis for help. Artemis let her become one of her maiden huntresses. But Aphrodite got her revenge. She bewitched the young woman into falling in love with a bear. When Artemis found out, she abandoned the girl in disgust. Typical of the girls, wouldn't you say? The fight with one another and the poor humans get caught in the middle. The girl's twin sons here, Agrius and Aureus, have no love for Olympus. They're like half-bloods well enough, though. For lunch! Agrius growled. His gruff voice was the one I'd heard talking with Luke earlier. <laughs> his brother Aureus laughed, licking his four-lined lips. He kept laughing like he was an asthmatic fed until Luke and Agrius both stared at him. Shut up, you idiot! Agrius growled. Go, punish yourself! Reyes whimpered. He trudged over the corner of the room, slumped onto a stool, and banged his forehead against the dining table, making the silver plates rattle. Luke acted like this was perfectly normal behavior. He made himself comfortable on the sofa and propped his feet up on the coffee table. Well, Chrissy... We'll let you survive another year. I hope you appreciated it. How's the mom? How's school? You poisoned Thalia's tree. Luke sighed. <sighs> right to the point, huh? Okay, sure, I poisoned the tree. So what? How could you? Annabeth sounded so angry, I thought she'd explode. Thalia saved your life. Our lives? How could you dishonor her? I didn't dishonor her, Luke snapped. The gods dishonored her, Annabeth. If Thalia were alive, she'd be on my side. Liar. If you knew what was coming, Annabeth, you'd understand. I understand. You want to destroy the camp. She yelled, you're a monster. Luke shook his head. The gods have blinded you. Can't you imagine a world without them, Annabeth? 
what good is that ancient history you study? Three thousand years of baggage. The West is rotten to the core. It has to be destroyed. Join me. We can start the world anew. We could use your intelligence, Annabeth. Because you have none of your own. His eyes narrowed. I know you, Annabeth. You deserve better than tagging along some hopeless quest to save the camp. Hoblet Hill will be overrun by monsters within the month. The heroes who survive will have no choice but to join us or be hunted to extinction. You really want to be on a losing team? With company like this? He pointed at Tyson. Hey, I said. Traveling with a cyclops, Luke tried to talk about dishonoring Thalia's memory. I'm surprised at you, Annabeth. You of all people. Stop it! She shouted. I didn't know what Luke was talking about, but Annabeth buried her head in her hands like she was about to cry. Leave her alone, I said, and leave Tyson out of this. Luke laughed. Oh yeah, I heard. Your father claimed him. I must have looked surprised because Luke smiled. Yes, Percy. I know all about that. And about your plan to find the fleece? What were those coordinates again? 30, 31, 75, 12. You see, I still have friends at camp who keep me posted. Spies, you mean? He shrugged. How many insults from your father can you stand, Percy? You think he's grateful to you? You think Poseidon cares for you any more than he cares for this monster? Tyson clenched his fist and made a rumbling sound down in his throat. Luke just chuckled. <laughs> the gods are so using you, Percy. Do you have any idea what's in store for you if you reach your 16th birthday? Has Chiron ever even told you the prophecy? I wanted to get in Luke's face and tell him off, but as usual, he knew just how to throw me off balance. 16th birthday? I mean, I knew Chiron had received a prophecy from the Oracle many years ago. I knew part of it was about me. But if I reached my 16th birthday, I didn't like the sound of that. I know what I need to know, I managed. Like, who my enemies are. Then you're a fool. Tyson smashed the nearest dining chair to splinters. Percy is not a fool. Before I could stop him, he charged Luke. His fists came down towards Luke's head, a double overhead blow that would have knocked a hole in titanium, but the bear twins intercepted. They each caught one of Tyson's arms and stopped him cold. They pushed him back and Tyson stumbled. He felt the carpet so hard the deck shook. Too bad, Cyclops, Luke said. Looks like my grizzly friends together are more than a match for your strength. Maybe I should let them. Luke, I cut him. Listen to me. Your father sent us. His face turned the color of pepperoni. Don't even mention him. He told us to take this board. I thought it was just for a ride, but then he sent us here to find you. He told me he won't give up on you no matter how angry you are. Angry? Luke roared. Give up on me. He abandoned me, Percy. I want Olympus destroyed. Every throne crushed to rumble. You tell Hermes it's going to happen too. 
Each time a half-blood joins us, the Olympians grow weaker and we grow stronger. He grows stronger. Luke pointed to the gold sarcophagus. The box creeped me out, but I was so determined not to show it. So, I demanded, what's so special? Then it hit me. What might be inside the sarcophagus? The temperature in the room seemed to drop 20 degrees. Whoa. You don't mean... He is reforming, Luke said, little by little. They're calling his life force out of the pit. With every recruit who pledges our cause, another small piece appears. That's disgusting, Annabeth said. Luke sneered at her. Your mother was born from Zeus's split skull, Annabeth. I wouldn't talk. Soon there will be enough of the Titan Lord so that we can make him whole again. We will piece together a new body for him. A work worthy of the forges of Hephaestus. You're insane, Annabeth said. Join us and you will be rewarded. We have powerful friends, sponsors, rich enough to buy this cruise ship and much more. Percy, your mother will never have to work again. You can buy her a mansion. You can have power, fame, whatever you want. Annabeth, you can realize your dream of being an architect. You can build a monument to last a thousand years. A temple to the lords of the next age. Go to Tartarus, she said. Luke sighed. A shame. He picked up something that looked like a TV remote and pressed a red button. Within seconds, the door of the stateroom opened and two uniformed crew members came in, armed with nightsticks. They had the same glassy-eyed look as the other mortals I'd seen, but I had a feeling this wouldn't make them any less dangerous in the fight. Ah, uh, good. Security, Luke said. I'm afraid we have some stowaways. Yes, sir, they said dreamily. Luke turned to Arias. It's time to feed the Ethiopian dragon. Take these fools below and show them how it's done. Arias grinned stupidly. <laughs> Let me go too, Arias grumbled. My brother is worthless. That Cyclops is no threat, Luke said. He glanced back at the golden casket as if something, troubling, something were troubling him. Agrius, stay here. We have important matters to discuss. But? Or else don't fail me. Stay in the hole to make sure the dragon was properly fed. Aureus prodded us with his javelin and herded us out of the stage room, followed by two human security guards. As I walked down the corridor with Aureus's javelin poking me in the back, I thought about what Luke had said, that the bear twins together were a match for Tyson's strength, but maybe separately... We exited the corridor amid, sh amid ships and walked across an open deck lined with lifeboats. I knew the ship well enough to realize this would be a last look at sunlight. Once we got to the other side, we'd take an elevator down to the hold and that would be it. I looked at Tyson and said, Now. Thank the gods he understood. He turned and smacked Aureus ten meters backwards into the swimming pool, right in the middle of the zombie tourist family. Ah, oh, the kids yelled in unison. We're not having a blast in the pool. One of the security guards drew his nightstick, but Annabeth knocked the wind out of him with a well-placed kick. The other guard ran for the nearest alarm box. Stop him! Annabeth yelled, but it was too late. Just before I banged him on the head with a deck chair, he hit the alarm. Red lights flashed, sirens wailed.
lifeboat, I yelled. We ran for the nearest one. By the time we got the cover off, monsters and more security men were swarming the deck, pushing aside tourists and waiters with trays of tropical drinks. A guy in Greek armor drew his sword and shushed, but slipped in a puddle of pinacoleta. Lacedaemonians, archers, assembled on the deck above us, notching arrows in their enormous bows. How do you launch this thing? screamed Annabeth. A hellhound leaped at me, but Tyson slammed it aside with a fire extinguisher. Get in, I yelled. I uncapped Ripton and slashed the first volley of arrows out of the air. Any second we would be overwhelmed. The lifeboat was hanging over the side of the ship, high above the water. Annabeth and Tyson were having no luck with the release pulley. I jumped in beside her. Hold on, I said, and I cut the ropes. A shower of arrows whistled over her heads as we free fell towards the ocean. Wow, that was quite an escape, huh? I can only begin to imagine Luke's rage. So... So we are on the quest to find the Golden Fleece. Stay tuned for what happens next Sunday, only on the Percy Jackson Podcast.